Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Chapters of Life podcast. Just a little bit about us. We are the official podcast of Chapters Health System, one of the nation's premier providers for hospice, home health, and grief services. I'm your host, Austin Mudd, and if you're listening, chances are someone you know is affected by a life-limiting illness, or maybe you're just one of our community care partners wanting to learn more about how we can help your patients. Either way, our goal here at the podcast is to dispel misconceptions and give you the facts that can help you face a life-limiting illness. And today we're talking about home care and how it's different from hospice and how to determine which two of those service lines is right for your loved one. So with us this time is Keith Works, our clinical administrator for Chapters Health Home Care. Keith, thanks for being here, man. Uh, we're really excited to talk about this and to have you here with us. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Yeah, of course. And you know, we see a lot of messages on our website from families reaching out to us about hospice care, and they can sometimes be surprised or uh, disappointed to learn, you know, hospice may not be right for them. Uh, they may hear about an alternative, you know, known as home care, Chapters Health Home Care. Um, you know, first off, just kind of tell us what it is and how is it different from hospice? The home care division, we, we provide medical treatment and education in the home versus patients having to go to an out center or a rehab setting. So they get to go back home with their loved ones, with their family, but get the medical treatment and help they need, like therapy or nursing care. You know, we, we run the gamut from being able to do simply just education on medications, helping the family learn how to take care of their loved ones, all the way through doing IVs in the home for antibiotics or wound care if they've got a non-healing wound, and we do a lot of post-op care for patients that have had hip or knee replacements. So, you know, we have the therapy that comes into the home and, you know, gets people back or better than they were before they went to the hospital. And their doctors can also just bring us in to help with disease management. If they're a diabetic and they're just not having the best of luck with their sugars, our nurses can go in there and help them and their family learn what to eat, how to do things differently to, to try to get them better. So we're always looking to make an improvement. But whereas hospice, you know, this is an end-of-life choice, um, home care will come in and transition towards that. Some people aren't sure they're ready for hospice or the family may not be ready. And our nurses will come in, will help with those things, and see if they can make improvements before they have to make that final choice. And, you know, hospice patients, you know, must meet certain criteria, you know, according to Medicare to get those hospice benefits. You know, we hear a lot about the six-month prognosis, you know, they got to get from, from doctors. And obviously, a lot of patients live longer than that six-month prognosis. You just always need that, you know, that doctor's recommendation to kind of meet that criteria. Now, is there any sort of criteria like that with Chapter Health Home Care? Yeah, we have the same thing. We have to have an order from a doctor, and it has to be for a skill. Um, I think that's the biggest misconception we get is when people hear home care, a lot of times they think about what we consider custodial care, um, bathing and things like that. That's not what we do. We are licensed under Medicare as a skilled agency. So we have to have that reason we're going in there that the government considers a skill. Unfortunately, drawing blood or is not considered a skill. Now, education and help with medications if they're new is a skill but yeah we do have to have that and then we do the same as hospice we have a 60-day episode 
And if they improve enough at 60 days, we'll discharge. And we do take people from hospice who um, may have decided they want to have treatment now. So they'll go from hospice to home care. We'll help them during that time while they're doing their treatments. And then if they don't have an improvement and they need hospice, they can go back to hospice. So it, it, it is a back and forth with us in hospice. Okay, that's really good information to know because I think a lot of people, you know, they'll be surprised by those certain criteria that they need to meet to uh, satisfy Medicare and, you know, be able to receive those benefits. So kind of building off what we were talking about, um, you know, what can Chapters Health Home Care benefit or how can it benefit the patient as well as the caregiver? Well, besides being able to do what their doctor orders the procedures in the home, you know, that's not our only focus. We also focus on the, the family as well, the whole you know, households would it be. So we're going to make sure the patient is safe, that they're getting the treatments they need and they're learning, but we also are going to work with the families and their caregivers so that they have an understanding of what the patient's supposed to be doing. Some of our patients, as they get up there, you know, they, they have a problem with their memory and remembering things, or they're not aware of you know, to get their walker before they take off from, you know, the couch. So we, we want to make sure that these patients are safe, whether we're there or not. And that's going to come down to the caregivers. Plus, when the caregivers feel confident that they know what to do and they're not second-guessing themselves, it, you know, they have more they can give better time with their family member where instead of worrying oh am i doing this right am i giving this medication right so you know we, we do want to focus on on the entire family not just the patient himself or yeah. herself and you talked about having that confidence you know that's huge a lot of our families and our primary caregivers who are there you know 24 hours a day they're the ones that are taking care of the patient where we're not there so having that confidence is really important can you just talk about you know what they can expect in terms of the education you know who's going to be giving them that and uh, you know what they expect to learn well most of the education is done by the nursing staff as far as you know the, your medication your disease process you know the physical therapy or the occupational therapy will work on safety um, a lot of times it's also about adapting for these patients now that they are weaker or they can't do things as quickly, how do you adapt for them to be able to get through their normal routine in the morning you know, without getting exhausted or getting hurt? So the therapists work on that. We also have social workers that'll come in and you know they, they can look at all the community resources that might be available. A lot of people don't realize that there are programs out there that will help in the home after we leave. Um, you know, we're short term. We're only going to be there for a certain amount of time while we have that skill. But what happens to the patient after that? So we're looking at that. We're looking at the discharge from day one. What's going to happen when we're done? What is this patient going to need? What are they going to do? And if they don't have the resources and they don't have the family members to do it, we want to make sure we find something for them that's going to help. Do they need placement? Do they need to find an ALF? Do they have the, the funds for that? So, you know, we're always looking at that from day one. And, you know, the veterans, we, you know, we make sure that, you know, that's one of the first questions we ask people when we admit them. Are you a veteran? We have our valor program here at Chapters that honors veterans. And if they do are a veteran, what benefits do they have? So, I mean, a lot of them don't realize that 
just because they're not using the VA or they weren't retired military, that doesn't mean you don't have benefits. And a lot of this so much long-term or custodial care can be covered by the veterans, by the VA, depending on when and how they served. And I had a lady yesterday that I talked to that her husband, who is now passed, was 20-year retiree. I knew that because she had TRICARE for life. His benefits transferred to her. She has benefits for long-term care like to go into like an ALF or something through him because they were married at his time of service. She never even realized that. So we always try to bring these things to the forefront for the patients and the family, you know, to, to try to help because, you know, care is not getting cheaper, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, and you talked about the Valor program, such an awesome thing. I mean, gosh, right. that you could take up an entire episode with that. But uh, kind of drilling down into some of the, you know, the conditions uh, that, that we'll see with Chapters Health Home Care, the type of patients we see. A lot of our families will think right off the bat, okay, you know, maybe we should start thinking about hospice. But, you know, you know that like we said earlier, that might not always be what they want to do right away. So conditions like congestive heart failure um, and, and COPD come to mind. I know we have great programs for that. Um, can you kind of tell us how we're helping those patients and we've got um in both chapters home care and how and in the hospice of all of our different organizations we have the chf program and the cob program now in the home care we also have uh, a cancer program um it's called at home with cancer uh and that one we built with one of the local cancer centers for the patients that are getting ready to go into treatment are currently in treatment or have had radiation and chemo and are still suffering those side effects. Our goal is to get in before they start treatments. So we can tell them what's to look at. I mean, for radiation and chemo, what to expect when you're doing this and then help them manage those symptoms as they go through the chemo or radiation. It also gives the patient someone to call. So instead of calling the doctor at two in the morning and saying, oh, this is what's going on, um, they can call the nurse. Because we have a nurse on call 24 hours a day. And uh, the nurses have been trained in all these conditions to know, no, that's normal. That's nothing to worry about. Because um, a lot of times what we see is they get to hold an alcohol doctor, doesn't know the patient, and just tells them to go to the ER. And that's what we're trying to avoid is people going to the ER. The same with the CHF and COBD program. It's, those are not curable diseases to speak of. You're not going to get rid of them, but they're manageable. And again, if you learn to adjust the way you do things, the way you live, things you do, you know, there may not be a hospice now. This is maybe, yes, this person gets exhausted doing the most minimal things. Doesn't mean that they're ready for hospice. We can retrain them, teach them how to do things differently how to spread out their morning routine over a longer period of time so that they can perform it and be at home still. You know, a lot of those patients, you know, they, for the most part, they can live a normal life. You know, they're just things, you know, home care can help them with to kind of, you know, change their, uh, you know, their habits, their, their lifestyle that can. uh... And the, we, I mean, the therapists have a program we call energy conservation, where it's just being able to, perform the same things you've always done in a more efficient way so that you're not expending as much 
energy. You just you you have to retrain yourself to do things, and and it's amazing how many people who thought they're going to have to go into assisted living because they couldn't take care of themselves anymore do get to stay at home now, and you know a lot of times this this person was the caregiver for somebody else. And then their COPD got worse, and now they can't help their partner. So we actually have two people now in the household we have to help out. So, you know, then we have to adjust, teach them both how to make adjustments so that hopefully these people can stay in that house they've been in for 35, 40 years instead of going into assisted living and, and losing their independence. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, once people lose that independence that, you know, it's always kind of a downside of, of it. You know, I know that when my mom, when she had to go to assisted living, you know, she felt so defeated. So, you know, we want people to be able to stay home, but safely. Um, and that's one of our huge goals is, you know, giving them that, that, that peace of mind that they can still do it. Yeah. And something that can help a lot with that independence is kind of, uh, you know, occupational therapy, physical therapy. You know, I know we have therapists here on staff. Um, can you tell us about how they interact with patients and any misconceptions that people may, uh, may have? Everybody, when they think of physical therapy and they think of the gym. And that's not always the fact that, you know, yes, physical therapists will come in for a knee or a hip and do exercises and range of motion to get you back to where or better than you were before you had that done. But with a lot of our patients, it's about the energy conservation or the maintenance of, you know, not losing the ability you have now. Because as the disease progresses, of course, so does the weakness and things like that. So you're not always looking to try to exercise them to a point to try to build muscle or get strong. You just want them to learn to do things efficiently and maintain the strength they have now so that they can stay home and they can stay in. So we have a lot of people who say, well, you know, I'm not ready for therapy yet. I'm still too weak. Well, that's the reason we're coming in. You know, sedent being sedentary makes it worse. So, you know, if when you're in the hospital for two weeks and you're laying in bed, you're not getting up, you got weak. Now, if you don't get back moving again, it's just going to get worse. You got the risk of getting, you know, sores and stuff. And they're not going to come in day one and want you to walk all the way across the house and stuff. It's a progression. So, you know, that's, this is what these therapists do every day. You know, they're, they do strictly home care and they understand that you have to start out slow and the beginning is more about the safety in the home. You know, how, how to do things without risking a fall because the falls are the worst thing, especially for elderly, you know, you're risking broken bones. So, um, you know, before we do therapy, we focus on that safety aspect. What do you need to do to make sure that you're not going to have an injury in your own home? And OT does a lot of stuff cognitively. So it's, you know, everybody thinks of occupational therapy and they think, you know, of, they always think upper body, that you know, they're going to be working with their arms and their hands. But actually, occupational therapy does cognition things. So they'll work on people with helping them you know, that if they might have some memory problems, you know, there are exercises, I guess you would still call them, you know, to help with that. And um, that is part of occupational therapy is, and also that fine motor skill is something that sometimes people lose that ability to do things like buttoning. 
you know, and, you know, especially with arthritis and stuff. And that's something where they will do those types of things because that, you know, if, if you can't button a shirt and you also can't get one, a T-shirt over your head because of a shoulder, what are you going to do? Right. So they, you know, that's not exercising. That's just strictly how can you now perform and stay at home and be able to do everything without having to have somebody come in and get you dressed. So, you know, it seems so simple to us. We get up every morning, we take a shower, we get dressed, we go to work. But as time goes on, you know, and you have a bad shoulder or you have arthritic hands, you know, those things are hard to do. And it, it, again, it's, you get that defeated feeling when you can't do it. So instead of saying, well, nope, you got to have somebody come in in the morning, pay somebody to come help you, let's see if we can find a way that you can do this on your own and keep your independence. And that's what we want to do. Yeah, and you touched on uh, assisting with memory with our uh, occupational therapist. That may not be something, you know, families think of right away that, hey, occupational therapy can, you know, help my loved one who has Alzheimer's, dementia. Yeah, definitely, definitely a great point there. Um, and when it comes to transitioning to hospice care, you know, for some of these patients that are with home care, you know, how does chapters help with that? And uh, can you kind of take us through that process? All the nurses at the home care side are well-versed in, in the hospice. You know, we, chapters has been bigger in hospice a lot longer than we've had our home care, and it's a lot larger. And our nurses have worked alongside the hospice for so long and they understand the the differences and they understand that transition so from day one when we go in you know we're evaluating a patient and their you know future needs are you know a lot of our patients probably over 50 percent of our patients no these are there's no potential for hospice in any near future you know and we're talking a year not 60 90 days but you do have the patients who you walk in and they have the feeling that, well, you know, I've got cancer or this or that, and I, you know, I, maybe I should think of hospice. But as you do your evaluation, as we have the therapist come in and evaluate them, you know, you get a better picture and then you can work with them and say, look, you know, you're improving, you know, you, there's nothing that is going to give you that six-month criteria your doc, you know, you got to have. So, you know, we can get you to a point where you can stay here and maybe not improve as much as some people, but maintain enough where you're going to stay at home. Now, it, we'll always have hospitals come out and evaluate somebody. Hospitals will come in and do an evaluation of a patient and then say, no, you don't meet criteria or that they don't, doctor doesn't feel that, you know, they need it and they'll stay with us. So, you know, we'll always, if, if they're adamant and they just want that other opinion, we'll always do that. We don't have a problem with that. But, you know, we also don't look to move everybody onto hospice because that's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to improve people, but we do know the ones that can't. And, we, and then we want to talk with the families and talk with the patients, give them that rationale and move them towards it. Now, you know, if, if they're not ready, we're going to stay out there. I'm not going to say, well, you no longer meet home care criteria, but you don't want hospice, so you're on your own. You know, we're, 
we're going to stay with these patients and see how do they do, can we help them along, or are they going to change their mind? So, you know, we, we always want the best for the families and the patients. And sometimes it's harder to, with the families than with the patients to, to understand, you know, what's going on because, you know, people don't want to lose their loved ones. And sometimes the patient's right and the family's not. So instead of talking to the f patient about hospice, you're talking to the family and explaining why do you want to honor your dad or mom's wishes, you know, for the hospice. Because, you know, hospice can do so much for them in that time for that end-of-life preparation and stuff. You know, so, you know, a lot of times we're, we're trying to convince the family members, you know, you know, listen to your, you know, they know, they, they want it, you know, we, I understand it's hard, but, you know, and it, it's a hard conversation to have with people, yeah. but, you know, that's, my nurses are very well versed in it, and my social worker, so, you know, that's, we, we want the best for the patients always, and help the families at the same time, and our hospice does such a great job with, you know, even with the bereavement and stuff afterwards, so, there's no reason we shouldn't send our people to our hospice when they're ready. Exactly. Again, we've been talking with Keith Works here, our clinical administrator for Chapters Health Home Care. Keith, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, I know this is a really important topic, and you know, one thing I hear over and over from patients and families is they wish they got that skilled care, you know, for their chronic illness sooner. So, you know, hope the information uh, we talked about today will, you know, encourage more families to take advantage. So, thanks again, man. Thanks for having me on, Austin. You've been listening to the Chapters of Life podcast produced by Chapters Health System, one of the nation's premier providers for home health, hospice, grief services, and everything in between. Again, our goal with this podcast is to educate caregivers and patients. So thank you for listening, and until next time, be kind, be safe, and be well.